Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit CarShield.com slash audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at CarShield.com slash audio. That's CarShield.com slash audio. If you just read the bio for Dr. Steve, host of Weird Medicine on Sirius XM 103 and made popular by two really comedy shows, Opie and Anthony and Ron and Fez, you would have thought that this guy was was a bit of a, you know, a, a clown. Can you please stop bullshitting and get to the question? I've got diphtheria crushing my esophagus. I've got Ebola virus dripping from my nose. I've got the leprosy of the heart valve exacerbating my incredible woes. I want to take my brain out and blast it with the wave, an ultrasonic echographic and a pulsating shave. I want a magic pill for all my ailments, the health equivalent of Citizen Kane. And if I don't get it now in the tablet, I think I'm doomed and I'll have to go insane. I want a requiem for my disease, so I'm paging Dr. Steve. Dr. Steve! It's Weird Medicine, the first and still only uncensored medical show in the history of broadcast radio, now a podcast. I'm Dr. Steve with my little pal, Dr. Scott, the traditional Chinese medical practitioner with keeps the weirdo alternative medicine people at bay. Hello. Hello, Dr. Scott. Hey, Dr. Steve. This is a show for people who would never listen to a medical show on the radio or the internet. If you have a question you're embarrassed to take to your regular medical provider, if you can't find an answer anywhere else, give us a call at 347-766-4323. That's 347. Follow us on Twitter at Weird Medicine or at drscottwm. Visit our website at drsteve.com for podcasts, medical news, and stuff you can buy. Most importantly, we are not your medical providers. Take everything you hear with a grain of salt. Don't act on anything you hear on this show. Without talking it over with your doctor, nurse practitioner, practical nurse, physician assistant, pharmacist, chiropractor, acupuncturist, yoga master, physical therapist, clinical laboratory scientist, registered dietitian, or whatever. All right, please don't forget, doctor. Oh, well, that was a little abrupt. Let me try that again. My hand slipped, Doctor Scott. Mm-hmm. Seventeen years later, mm-hmm. still effing it up. Uh, <laughs> up <laughs> still effing up the intro. Check out uh, Dr. Scott's website at simplyherbals.net for all your fatigue reprieve and stressless needs, but not nasal spray, right? No, not yet. Oh, for God's sake. I'm not. I'm not. Why? Whoops. Oh, wait. I'm a slacker. You certainly are. Anyway. At least I'm consistent. <laughs> Check out uh, stuff.drsteve.com. I'm going to put a couple of new items on there after this show. Stuff.drsteve.com, including the inversion table that I'm using right now to hopefully fix my horrific back problems, at least help it some. So 
Uh, Dr. Scott helped me get it set up today. Not all of you will have a board-certified uh, traditional Chinese medical provider to set up all your pressure points and stuff on your on your um, uh, inversion table, but I can send you a picture of it if you need it. Anyway, go to stuff.drsteve.com. helps keep us on the, on the air. Uh, tweakedaudio.com, offer code FLUID. will get you 33% off the best earbuds for the money and the best uh, customer service anywhere. And if you want to lose weight with me, noom.drsteve.com has been my the key to my success. I see all these other people my age, and they all have beer guts and stuff. And and uh, my friend David, who's an attorney, has always been in really great shape. And my, I wear a 30 waist and 30 length, and he's like, oh, you do not. And I had to show it to him. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think he wears a 36. Hmm. And he's about the same size as me so you know that noom has been very successful for me and it's a psychology program not a diet and uh, check it out at noom n-o-o-m dot dr steve dot com all right so it's three four seven poo head poo if you want to give us a call uh yes that is a number picked out by a grown man in the medical <laughs> profession <laughs> don't forget to check out dr scott's website at simplyherbals.net that's simplyherbals.net um okay so we've got some stuff in the news i keep saying we're going to do a covid free show and it's really still hard to do tough to do because we get all of our questions today with one exception were covid related no maybe two two oh, okay that's something yeah place to start yeah, so yeah i miss all the penis and poop questions yeah me too so certainly you have well we have one penis question but the guy texted it to me instead of calling it in so i told him to call it in <laughs> it was about erectile dysfunction there and you go. uh that works and uh covid19 vaccine and um there's a lot of erectile dysfunction going on because of COVID-19, but it's not because of the virus. Mm-hmm. It's because of the lockdowns and just everything that has been done to us uh, in in the in this so-called spirit of doing something for us. <laughs> and um, it, it has affected people's psyche. Yes. And when you are not in a position to procreate, this is, I'm going back to my evolutionary theory. theory. Mm-hmm. So when you're a cave person and you're not in a position to uh, procreate or raise that kid or you're, there's a saber-toothed tiger coming after you mm-hmm. and you get the adrenaline going or, you know, if you're ill, it's a lot less likely that you're going to have a roaring libido at that point. Yes. Other things take precedence. Yeah. Yeah. And fight or flight particularly. Yep. So if you're anxious and you weren't before, or you're depressed and you weren't before, there's some significant potential for you to lose your libido, and hopefully that'll come roaring back as the roaring 20s kick in here in the next year or so. Did you see they were talking about the potential for there to be a, an explosion in STDs? Because <laughs> of a lot, of, a lot of the younger, well, I shouldn't say younger folks, let's just say a lot of the folks that have been, as you said, kind of locked down, once they get out and start mingling around, yeah. they, they think there's going to be a, a, a bunch of roaring stuff going on. Like this the had to 20s, kill, yeah. like, swinger parties and stuff like that, too. One would assume, yes. Yeah. yes. So anyway, can you move your microphone up yeah. so that you're oh, yeah. actually talking into it? Why oh, yeah. is it like that? It just fell over? Uh, it fell over. Okay. For better? Yeah, it's perfect. Perfect. All right. I'll, I'll work on that after, after the show. It's got a screw loose, I think. Yeah. As do we all, my friend, as do we all. <laughs> it's the truth. So uh, you had a story for today. Yeah, I did. I'm trying to fix it now. I'll I'll just fuck it up. Before it starts spilling over to the side. <laughs> no, you know, some good news, some good news on the front. It looks like Pfizer is saying that they're going to have a, a new antiviral medication to treat COVID specifically. Okay. Ho- hopefully by the end of the year. I've heard this shit before yep. with favipiravir. I, that was my biggest... Um, failed prediction in this is that it would have been out last june or at least we would have had enough data to go in front of the fda last june and then there's molnupiravir 
which was looking pretty promising as well. And uh, but it's going to be quite a while before it works its way through all the phases. Okay. The nice thing about favipiravir was it's already done safety trials because it's out in Japan for um, for influenza. Oh, okay. So it's already went through phases one, two, and three for that. All they got to do is show that it's effective mm-hmm. for uh, COVID nineteen, and that's not something weird about it that makes it uh, more uh, dangerous. Okay. So the first the thir- first three phases showed already done safety and efficacy, and well, in influenza. Yep. So it's already yep. hit the market. They're in phase four for influenza in Japan right. for right. favipiravir. So uh, if it had been effective in humans for COVID-19, then it would have been a pretty good um, chance that they could have fast-tracked that. Mm -hmm. Now they're looking at molnupiravir, which is a similar drug. And now this Pfizer drug. So what's the deal with it? Well, they did not name it exactly, but they're saying it's it's probably, you know, (laughs) B396-A. Yes, I'm sure it's something... Something like that for now, but it's 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 a class of medications they call protease inhibitors, and so it binds to these viral enzymes, and it works. It's similar to the the medications they would use for HIV or for hepatitis. And yeah, things which have nature. been both of those insanely effective, profoundly effective, and life saving, not just changing, but yeah. saving in many many. Yeah, cases. for so many people, HIV being HIV positive is. Um, is it's now it's a chronic yes. it's just a chronic thing if you can keep taking your medication your viral load in many cases goes to zero mm-hmm. and um they uh, have normal lifespan which back when I was training I was I was training when HIV first started rearing its ugly head and if you ha- at first they didn't even know what was causing it right was it an immune reaction to certain, you know, f- body fluids? Was it a bacteria? It, was it some weird offshoot of syphilis? I mean, nobody knew. Mm-hmm. And then they found the virus. Because I remember I was in an, uh, I was working in an immunology lab with my friend uh, Bob Ash, who is now a professor somewhere of immunology. And um, this other postdoc came in. We were talking about HIV, or we were talking about AIDS at the time, and he was like, oh, you medical people are so stupid. There's no way a virus could cause this. He was just laughing mm. at us. It's like, okay, dude. So, And then, of course, it wasn't three months later they discovered uh, human immunodeficiency virus. And at the time, it was HTLV, human T-cell uh, lymphocyte virus or something, HTLV okay. And uh, then they change it to HIV. But anyway, um, these proteases have been outstanding. And same like, same for hepatitis C, where people now are getting full cures of hepatitis C. Yeah, this is wonderful. Amazing. It is incredible. Yeah, I still, you know, in, in going back to the HIV thing, I is is one of those things in your life where you, you remember where you are when you hear something. And, you know, I remember where I was the day that I heard, you know, uh, Maggie Johnson yeah. had tested positive for for HIV AIDS. And, and I was like, golly, how does that happen? You know, just not not old enough to really understand what was going on, but, but yeah. thinking, well, then he's dead. Yeah. You know, he just, he's got to be dead. And um, Well, it was, that's the way it the was time, back then. You know, yeah. And um, he was one of the first that got on these antiretroviral mm-hmm. cocktails. So, yeah. it still looks great. Yeah, looks great. Yeah, and so proteases. <clears throat> base, so anytime you see the suffix ase as, like lactase, that's going to be an enzyme. Okay. So protease inhibitors, um, like you said, prevent viral replication by binding to these viral protease these enzymes and what these enzymes do is when the um, virus is creating these proteins to recreate itself some of the times they'll be strung together and what the virus has to do is throw its enzymes at it of course it's not thinking I, I'm, I'm putting this very teleologically sure. but uh, it has to throw these enzymes at these uh, proteins to cleave them right at the right place. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, then it's making its building blocks for its viral code or, or the spike protein or whatever. Okay. 
and when you block that it just it it just gets gummed up it it just can't make itself mm-hmm. and um there are lots of them on the on the uh market right now there's uh antiretroviral hiv1 proteases and they'll always have n a v i r at the end navir so there's amprenavir atazanavir darunavir et cetera, et cetera. And lopinavir, which we've heard of, because and ritonavir, we were talking about those in re- relation to uh, COVID nineteen at one point. All right, um, call you back. Um, and then there are hepatitis C proteases that end in previr, previr. So you've got uh, bosepravir, grazoprevir, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. So I'm assuming that this one will have the same uh, ace on the end, or vir on the end. Well, some other suffix, some other stem that ends in vir, but it'll have a different, um, you know, uh, syllable in front of it, or morphine, or phoneme, or whatever the f it is. (laughs) Well, considering it's made by Pfizer, it will be probably a pf. Yeah, (laughs) it could be. So uh, anyway, these things are very specific, but that also means that because they're so specific that the virus only has to make a couple of changes and mutate a couple of ways to get, end up with a drug-resistant virus. Oh. Then you got to start all over again, find okay. another way to block that protease. Anyway, so that's why in HIV, they will use a, a cocktail. Okay. Makes sense. So you're using a couple of uh, different drugs to to prevent one clone of getting out that can teach all its uh, its descendants how to be resistant. Okay. Well, okay. That's great. Idea. Oh, there you go. Cool. Anyway. All right. Cool, man. What else you got? Oh, nothing. That's it? <laughs> that's some show <laughs> prep. No, no the, the only other thing I, I saw that was kind of intriguing was that they, they have shown some... some um, uh, some research indicating that physical inactivity um, is tied to higher COVID risk. Oh, well, I'm doomed. Which, then. which, which, you know, it goes back to, you know, you've been saying for 15 years, get off your ass and get some exercise. And yeah, I don't and, uh, do as I say, not as I do. Well, you- anyway, well, let's uh, look at India for a second. There's a lot going on there. Those poor guys are getting hammered. Well. They're home to the world's worst ongoing coronavirus outbreak, and they've reported more than 17 million cases since the pandemic began. And uh, But people are worried that because of an infrastructure situation and testing in India that their number could be 30 times higher than that. Ugh. And uh, so it'd be like half a billion people, but they don't know. So uh, their daily death toll is projected to continue climbing until mid-May, and they're peaking out at about 13,000 a day. That's what they think it it could hit. But here's the thing. So I went to our friend uh, Stout Labs at um, Daniel Stout at covid.stoutlabs.com. And if you go for world data and put, say, the United States... India, Mexico, and Brazil in there, and then you go to new cases, you can see um, Mexico is very low at uh, 3.59 thousand cases. We're at about 50,000. Brazil at 72,000. Then India is at 360,000 new cases. Goodness. But when you look at deaths per population, so deaths per 100 thousand people India is down around 14 and the United States at 173 Mexico 167 Brazil is higher at 185 and then you can look at all the other countries too so hmm. is that a reporting thing or is it that yeah they got a lot of cases but a lot of people aren't dying from it mm-hmm. so I don't know we'll know by June, what the real story is, because it's hard to analyze this data as it's happening because you don't know which way the curve's going to go. But uh, it's rough, and they're vaccinating the crap out of people right and left there, too. Yeah, I think they're down to 45 and up. 
Right now, trying to get as many as they can. Well, they're in the United States. We're at 16 and up. Yep. Yep. And uh, let me look at our new cases. New cases for... And by the way, I was on uh, Who Are These Podcasts this weekend. And um, (laughs) one Mm -hmm. of the reasons I went on there was because they were talking about people doing research on the air during their show and how awful it is. It's like, (laughs) crap, we do that. We do that all the time. Well, we're different. I thought it was we're spatial. somewhat interesting. But if you look at the trend line for the United States, it's still going down. Okay. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, for new cases, they're up and down, up and down because of reporting. But the overall trend line is pointing in a downward direction. We are seeing very few 65-year-olds at this point, 65-plus, showing up in the emergency room or being admitted because they have almost universally uh, adopted the vaccine. What we're seeing are younger people, and people are like, well, why are you seeing so many younger people? Well, because people are relaxing, Mm -hmm. and more young people are getting it, and therefore we'll get the – if you look at the percentage, it's still going to be very low that young people are going to end up in the hospital. But there are some, Mm -hmm. and if you have way more people – coming down with the virus, then you will see more people ending up in the emergency room and in the hospital. Yep. The numbers go up yeah. together, you know. Yeah, they do. Because, I mean, because it's a percentage. Yep. So if the absolute number goes up and the percentage stays the same, then the absolute number of hospitalizations will also too. go up. Yep. So that's my hypothesis anyway. And that's what this person's question is about. I think I just stole their thumb thunder. Oh. Let's just see. Um, here they are. Hey, Dr. Steve. It is John in Washington State. Hey, John. And hope you and Dr. Scott and the lovely Tacey are doing well. Uh, <laughs> I know you mentioned that uh, you thought that the COVID questions would keep going down, but uh, here's one more for you. Okay, so, <laughs> no problem. Right now, the statistics say that, you know, roughly 25 or 30 percent of the population has gotten one shot uh roughly or no i think 40 percent of the population has gotten one shot 25 to 30 percent has gotten oh fuck me (laughs) i think that there's a number that has both shots and there's a number that has one shot right uh one shot is less than two shots so what i don't understand is why case counts keep rising seemingly dramatically and they're talking about a fourth wave uh i talked to one of my doctors the other day and he said that in the icu uh the numbers of people that are coming in are people you know younger age so you know they're roughly seeing nobody age 65 or older now they're just seeing younger populations instant corroboration what i don't understand is why (laughs) that's causing such a dramatic rise and Okay, well, so let's look. I've got here um, 30, well, this can't be right. Well, maybe it is right for the full population. Um, 33.7% have had at least one dose, and 23.3% have had, oh, this is Tennessee. Wait a minute. Oh, for God's sake. Okay, there we go. So at least one dose, 141 million people in the United States, that's 43%, and fully vaccinated, 30%. Now, if you break that down by age, um, that changes things quite a bit because the in this population, I think we've got 75 80% of people over 65 have been vaccinated. And the reason that you are seeing more and more uh, cases, of course, people are relaxing because they figure, well, hell, we got a vaccine. We're getting pretty good at this. Uh, The numbers are dropping. Let's just go out and do stuff. And I'm not opposed to that. If the people who are truly vulnerable are vaccinated, but it just shows that when the numbers get big enough, let's say that the number of People who um, get sick in the younger population to the point where they need to be in the hospital is like 0.1%. Let's say even even Mm 0.01%. 
and one uh, percent would be one in a hundred, so one in ten thousand. Mm-hmm. But now, if you go from having thirty million people to having one hundred and fifty million people, mm-hmm. you know, divide that by ten thousand, you're going to have a whole shitload more cases uh, yeah. of people who actually get sick from it. Yep. So the risk to the individual is very low. The risk to society increases with the number of uh, overall cases. Mm. All right. Mm. Florida looks like it's doing pretty good. They've had 14.7 million uh, doses given. And of those, 6 million are fully vaccinated. And the percentage of population fully vaccinated in Florida is 27. New York, 32. California, 29. So they're all right in there together. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, okay, let me try this again for better question. Uh, oh, there everybody. <laughs> How does pain work? If I stab myself in the finger with a staple by mistake versus grabbing a hot stealing off the stove, how is pain transmitted to my brain? Yeah. It's <clears throat> actually a good question. Can you? Can pain be so bad that it kills you? Mm. You know, you hear people say, you know, they, almost, they died from their pain. Well, mm-hmm. <laughs> there well, you go. Yeah. Okay. So ask William Wallace mm-hmm. if you could die from pain because he was pretty much wide awake while they were drawing him and quartering him. Mm-hmm. And he didn't die till the horses pulled him into pieces. Mm-hmm. So when you're drawn and quartered, and this was a. <laughs> Uh, this was a but he thing. was probably pretty close to death. Well, but back in the day, this is what they do. They'd hang you a little bit, just a little bit. <laughs> just to get your attention, right? Yeah, well, yeah, to knock you out just a little bit. And then they'd pull you down off of the hanging and tie you down, and then they would open up your abdomen with a knife. I mean, this is in medieval times, so it wasn't sterile and it wasn't that sharp. Mm-hmm. And then they would take your entrails out, a.k.a. your small intestine and your large intestine. They would flop it out. And then that disembowel you. That hurts already. And then they would burn it. Mm -hmm. They would take a hot poker and burn the intestines. And then, if that wasn't enough, then they'd take horses and uh, hook them up to your arms and legs and just tell them, you know, giddy up. Go for it in all different directions. Yeah. (laughs) So that's got to be the worst possible pain. Mm -hmm. And they. The, they didn't die from that. They died from the trauma after, you know, mm-hmm. during the cor- the the drawing or the quartering part. Mm-hmm. And uh, my wife would tell you that when she was having her babies before she got the epidural, that it was ten out of ten pain. She couldn't imagine anything more excruciating. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, there's lots of breach deliveries, all kinds of stuff happen. People don't die from the pain. Mm-hmm. Now, how could you die from the pain? <clears throat> pain is activating mm-hmm. so when you have intense pain your adrenaline kicks in adrenaline is a vasoconstrictor if you had uh, which means it constricts blood vessels mm-hmm. and if you had a marginal or a critical narrowing in your coronary arteries already uh, already yep. and then it, it, it this all this adrenaline caused the vessels to constrict there you go. Yeah, you, you could have, have a heart attack and kill you. You have a heart attack that could kill you. Mm-hmm. Guess, guess you could have a stroke, could drive your blood pressure up. So uh, <clears throat> the the effects, pain can trigger a domino effect that could cause you to die, yes. Mm-hmm. Right, yes, I agree. But I'm not aware of anyone ever dying from pain by itself. Well, you know, and I, I keep thinking of people in, in crush injuries where they break all their ribs that wind up oh. dying, you know, the, yeah. but, but the pain's so intense that, that I think you're right. But they can't breathe. Right. But it's not necessarily from the, the immense pain. Right. Pain is That's just a energy. way for the central nervous system to tell the brain that there's something going wrong. So you got, we have an issue, right? And I wish that there was just a way it could flash up a a message yeah. in yeah. our vision saying, hey, there's a problem, instead of making it hurt. Yeah, get your finger out of the light socket, genius. Right, because it's, <laughs> it's all about our perception. Your perception of it, yeah. Which you know, is... when I look at that digital clock up there, I see red, but what red I see 
may not be the same as yours, and it's not actually red. It's just at a certain wavelength of light. Mm-hmm. And, so our and brains, we call it red. And our brains interpret it, and we see it differently than blue light, mm-hmm. you know, all the different wavelengths of the visible spectrum that we can see. Mm-hmm. And, but then there are, like, bees can see ultraviolet, and there are other things can see in the near-infrared, all kinds of crazy stuff. So yeah. they're see differently than we do. And, and this is an, another thing. It's perception. So there are... A couple of different kinds of fibers in the body that can transmit pain. And if they have myelin sheaths, if a fiber has a myelin sheath, that's kind of a fatty tissue or uh, substance that acts as an insulator around nerve fibers, the transmission of signals along those fibers will be very quick. And if you have a naked fiber that doesn't have a myelin sheath, then... There's a lot of interference in the transmission of of um, signals along those fibers, and so it'll take longer. Mm-hmm. So the A-delta fibers are large and have myelin, and pain signals travel very quickly, and that's your first pain. Right, the initial prick. So Right, and so you'll get that first pain, and then you will get the pain that comes later, and that's carried by C-fibers. They're small and unmyelinated. And they carry pain signals slowly, giving you that dull, aching sensation or the second pain that yeah, follows. The so you have the, is much more. You have the first pain that goes, oh, yeah. like that. And then, you know, if you burn yourself, the A-delta fibers will send that going, get get your hand off of there. Mm-hmm. But then the C-fibers will send that la- long-lasting pain that will kick in later. Mm-hmm. We've all noticed this phenomenon mm-hmm. uh, that says, that, hey, you burned yourself, dummy. Yep. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Okay. Yeah. And and can I expand on what, what you're just saying interestingly yeah, just a minute ago? Because, I mean, pain is all I do every yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it. But, you know, as you were saying, different perceptions. And, of course, I mean, I've seen 20,000 different people over the years, and there are so many different variations of people's perceptions of stimulation. Oh, yeah, of course, and that's that, and that's really compelling. And being able to differentiate that when you're working with somebody to figure out um, how they are going to react to a a, a sensations because sometimes you know I've got people that that you can barely touch them and they're they and they are coming yep. off the table miserable, and then I've got others you can dig in there and you know I've got three and four inch needles cramming in their piriformis so you, you see the muscle spasms and the leg yep. jerk and they're like oh yeah, that no. feels pretty good <laughs> you know and, and it's really intriguing it's really and there's a number of things that affect it I think you know your um, heritage genetics you know they say that redheaded um, um, people have a little bit less of a pain threshold have you heard that I have heard that, that which is kind of and I have witnessed that and um which is kind of interesting. How much of it is, I mean, it's very interesting. If we could ever come up with a with an objective, objective, mm-hmm. in other words. Truly objective. Everybody would get the same answer. Mm-hmm. Um, measure of what someone's pain ha- you know, pain is. It mm-hmm. would be fascinating. Yeah, because it just doesn't. If you could just merge your consciousness with the other person, then it would become your pain. Mm-hmm. And then you could ju- you could grade it. 
yeah. and you can tell which people are just faking and which ones are just you know simps yes. yeah just and, and some that are <laughs> some that are just absolutely miserable you know because i'm absolutely miserable but i don't take anything for pain yep but, but you know what you, and i'm not saying ooh, look at me no. but i'm just saying it is weird that i have people that i know have less pathology in their back and in their nervous system than i do that are taking all kinds of yes. opioid medications and stuff and uh, you can't function in a day. Yeah. You cannot function from minute to minute, much less day yeah. to day. And with, with, with no more pathology, because, you know, we see it all the time. We'll have someone come in with a, an image of a, of a lower back that they've got terrible back pain, but really the images really don't look bad. And you go, but, right. but you know, and, but, and then. And, and they'll can, focus on the degenerative yeah. joint thing. Yeah. And it's oh, like, dude, yeah. you know, everybody has that. Have it. And then yeah, at the same time, one. at the same time, I'll get, I had a guy not too long ago, his MRI was so horrible. I just looked at him. I said, hell, I don't know how he could be miserable. Yeah. And he just looks at me and goes, well, it kind of hurts. I was like, oh, my gosh. So, you know, just, and I think Stacy's question is a lot deeper and a lot more complex than, than probably is. you know what most people understand well there's philosophy <clears throat> associated well with and then and then the emotional component of pain yes it goes along with you know like with you and your back sometimes you you, know, you feel more miserable because it stresses you out you can't do all the chores that you normally do yeah and that's an emotional strain you know and that may affect yeah, your or blood pressure makes you irritable or makes you angry or people or who sleep. hurt will cry sometimes yep. and that so there yes there's a physical aspect and an emotional mm-hmm. aspect to it because both all those things are passing through those signals are passing through different places in yep. the brain yep and they all are connected yeah yes to say the least yep so that sucks. You well, know, Stacey, that's a pretty good question. It's a good one. Good one, Stacey. He's a pretty fart smeller. I, I mean, fart smell. A sm- smart feller. <laughs> All right. Anyway. All right. And another non-COVID question. Hey, what's question. going on, Dr. Steve? Stacey? Hello. Doing pretty good. Thank you. <laughs> oh, Appreciate you. Okay. Sorry. Um, sorry. Sorry. Wait a minute. Question. We got to play along. So I'll, I'll be Tacy and you can be me. Okay. okay. Hey, what's going on, Dr. Steve? Tacy? Hey, man. What's up? Hi. Doing How are pretty you? good. Thank you. I, I, wait, you I, got the, I got the timing wrong. One more time. One more time. Okay. Oh. Ah, you bastard. <laughs> okay. Here we go. Hey, what's going on, Dr. Steve? Casey? Hey, man. What's up? Hi. How are you? Doing pretty good. Thank you. Appreciate you asking. Um, <laughs> question I just came up with is I used to dream like crazy. I'm listening to your last podcast about lucid dreams. I'm thinking I used to dream like crazy. But then once I I uh, picked up a CPAP, yep. I've noticed not as much as I used to. I know exactly is why. Is that because, like, the, the airways and I'm more conscious or the fact that I just... Nope. Maybe I'm not getting such deep sleep that I used to. Oh. No, neither yeah. one of those are true. What do you think it is, Scott? I, I know the answer to this. I'm typing my note. Okay. <laughs> I'm not paying attention. <laughs> I'm not paying attention. Um, you know the show comes before your notes, right? You can do this and yeah. then do those. Well, hell, you're the CPAP expert. I'm okay, you, true, I'm, true, I'm, true. I'm okay, you are taking this opportunity because yeah, yeah. you knew I would. I'm just catching talk up. for 20 minutes on this. <laughs> so, when we used to do well, and they probably still do uh, studies on dreaming. Okay. What you do is you watch for the person to go into rapid eye movement sleep. And you can put sensors on their eyelids. There's a bunch of different ways that you can do that. You can do it by just the way that they're breathing. And when you see that they are fully into rapid eye movement sleep, you wake them up. Hmm. When you wake them up, they will remember the dreams that they had because we dream every night we just don't remember it sure it's just it goes into a register that is then cleared at the end of the night and sometimes you remember your dream sometimes you don't and there's certain reasons why but in general it's a um uh rewritable ram (laughs) and and so all those experiences go into that that rewritable ram and then when you you know by the time you wake up it's already been cleared out okay now but if you wake somebody up during REM, they'll remember the dreams that they just had, and they can write it down or whatever. Mm. Well, guess when you have uh, the worst episodes of at sleep apnea is during REM sleep. I would think, yeah. And so when you, uh, particularly if you have central sleep apnea, so 
if you go into REM sleep and then you um, uh, stop breathing, well, your body's going to wake up, up just enough so that you start breathing again. And then you sleep and then you, oh, oh okay. and then you wake back up again. But you're never fully awake, gotcha. but you're coming up from REM sleep to light sleep. Some people will wake themselves up. My dad would snore so loud, he would wake himself up. Oh, gosh. And yeah. he'd be like, <laughs> and he'd go, oh, what, what, what? <laughs> like somebody was talking to him. It's hilarious. <laughs> so so uh, I'm. this is my hypothesis. I say I know what it is. This is what I'm guessing is he's no longer doing that. Okay. He's actually getting real REM real sleep. Real REM sleep. Interesting. And he's not waking up a bunch of times, so he doesn't remember his dreams. He still has them. He's just not remembering them. So that's a great hypothesis. I like it. Well, I'll give myself one of these. Yeah, I like yourself that. Yeah. A bill? Might not be right, but it uh, sounds, sounds right. No, it does. It actually does sound, sound right. pretty good. Yeah, I like it. All right, cool, man. I'm glad I didn't sleep through that. There you go. <laughs> hey, Doctor Steve, it's your old pal Keith from Los Angeles. Hey, Keith, how's it going? A quick man? question about a yep. big surprise: COVID vaccine. Um, I have an appointment already made for March sixth. Um, I'm sorry, May 6th, <laughs> and um, for my second dose, and my work is offering it now earlier. Uh, the only appointment I can get is two days before the appointment I was supposed to have, but it will save me a 45-minute drive and a two-hour wait while I'm there. So I'm curious if taking the vaccine two days prior to what I should uh, have as scheduled, um, if that's going to be a problem or not. Thanks, Dr. Steve. Appreciate your show. Yeah, Casey. Hey, love thanks, you. man. Later, brother. Awesome. Right. Awesome. Yeah, it's a great question. So the timing between your first and second shots absolutely depends on which vaccine you receive. There are some of them out there. You don't need the second one. But if you got the Pfizer BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine, you should get your second shot three weeks after your first. Why? Because that's how they study that's it. how they research it, right. If you got the Moderna vaccine, you get your second shot four weeks or 28 days after your first. So the CDC recommends that you get your second shot as close to the recommended three- or four-week interval as possible, but it can be given up to six weeks after the first dose if necessary. They do recommend that you not get the second dose early, and there's just limited information on the effectiveness of getting your second shot earlier than recommended or later than six weeks. Okay. So they didn't study it, so we don't know. Kind of, you know, two days, what difference does it make? I mean, 21 days is an artificial number, mm -hmm. but they haven't studied it, so the CDC is not recommending that you get it early. Mm -hmm. um, now, if you do get it earlier or later than recommended, you don't have to restart the vaccine series, and then the CDC will update us as they get data on this. Okay. So there you go. Would, would would it be possible, I mean, if he could maybe with his work schedule push it out a week or two yeah. to save him? And yeah, then he wouldn't have to yeah. go Take it early, maybe. Right, I, don't, right. I don't know, Dr. Steve, but, I mean, that seems like maybe a possible solution. Yeah. Um, and but, if, make sure, but make sure you get it. <laughs> if you're going to a different place than you started, make sure they're giving you the same, same vaccine, vaccine, too. Because, right. like, if your work's giving you Moderna and you already got the Pfizer they they don't have any data on how to mix those. Mm -hmm. Probably okay, but they don't have any data on it, so they can't recommend it. Did you did you see in Louisiana, um, down in uh, New Orleans, where they were they were giving, where they haven't had great um, um, turnouts for for vaccines? They're actually doing in bars. They're doing them. They're they're giving shots for <laughs> That's shots. Genius, isn't that genius? Yeah. So it was it was really. Oh, you mean they're giving you alcohol? They're giving you a to shot. Do it. A shot for a shot. Yeah, and it was cool. The bartender was like. You know, it's hard for me to get out you know, when they're giving a shot. So they brought him in there. He goes, heck, I'm, I'm five feet away. So I got my shot immediately. So he got his he got his vaccine and has given shots to these people. For is the, that right? That is true. True story. Yep. Because I know, listen, back in the 80s when I was training, we would see a lot of people come in with thiamine deficiency that were alcoholics. Okay. And I'd say, why don't we just put thiamine in, in wine? <laughs> right. Sure, sure, sure. And they said they couldn't, they tried that and they couldn't do it because then they could advertise. They were afraid that they would advertise it that this, this brand was quote unquote good for you because it had thiamine in it. They didn't, so they'd rather people not have it at all. 
and come in with all these neurological problems than to just put some thiamine in there and worry later if people were marketing it as if it was somehow beneficial. A much more healthy alcoholic drink. And that's some bullshit. That is bullshit there. Man, oh, man. It's like... Uh, Let's do something that makes some sense, people. Yeah, we could... um, Needle exchange programs have been shown to be effective in preventing blood-borne illnesses, including HIV. Yes. But there are some places where they won't do it because, well, then you're encouraging people to do it. It's like, no, Mm. you're accepting the reality that people are doing it and you're and you're reacting to that by Mm. allowing them to have a clean needle so that they're not sharing needles. And maybe keeping them out of the hospital. Yes. Keeping them from having to have these, you know, any myriad of. other. And then you can work on the demand side of it. Right. And then you might, since you're working with them, you might be able to work with giving them less and less each time, titrating down a little bit, some kind of recovery program. Oh, you're talking about actually giving them the drug itself. Well, I, well no, no, that's no, no. That's another no, issue. No, no, I don't no, have a problem with that. No, yes, sir. Yeah, Dr. Steve, but not actually, and whether you do or not, but at least that way you've got them in front of you. You can, t- you can talk to them. Say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's at least talk about how much you're doing. Sure. Yeah. Maybe intervention. Yes, they're actually, if they come to... A needle exchange, and it's in a medical setting. Then mm-hmm. you have people that can talk to them. Yep. That's right. I yep. got. I yep. got you on that. Yep. So at least you can get the thing started. So if they do decide to get off of it, they've got somebody. They can somebody go to. can talk to. An counsel. integrated program like that, like you know, in my practice. I guess this show might be boring to everybody, and I apologize. But uh, in my practice, we have some people that are say terminally ill. Mm-hmm who have substance abuse problems. Mm-hmm. And if they have a difficult, and they have horrible, horrible, intractable cancer pain. Yes. And they have a hard time following the rules on you know, making their prescriptions last <laughs> and that kind of stuff. And we don't have a program that helps people with substance abuse problems who are terminally ill who need their uh, their medication because you can just discharge them you can dismiss them from your practice but then they're going to be out there suffering yeah that's terrible and i don't want anybody to suffer when they're leaving this world so uh there was no program so we're creating one oh that's great you know we're going to be working with an addictionology fellowship Mm. and figuring out a pipeline that we can work with these folks so that we don't have to dismiss them from our practice right and you, you as a physician, don't have issues with prescribing maybe a little bit higher dose for someone that well, needs more. Well, no, because more. I'm work with, yeah. in, but you know what I mean. You no. know, at the cancer center, yeah, I'm I'm used to writing prescriptions that other physicians might consider prodigious mm-hmm. <laughs> in, mm-hmm. the, in their amount, but they're really just what the patient needs, right? And we don't, you know, Thank obviously. Let me just put the goodness. disclaimer out there: yeah. we don't push push them no but um you know we will make sure that our patients have uh relief of their symptoms to the extent that we can yes but anyway thank goodness all right um well here's a pimple question oh cool oh i think we did this one i don't know let's do it again now nah, we did it already <laughs> it was how what out of pimples go back two three shows back i had a friend of mine from high school, no, from college. Mm-hmm. I met him in the dorm at Mangum Dorm at the University of North Carolina in 1970-something or other. Mm-hmm. And this guy could play things from, like, yes, on yep. his acoustic guitar. Well. And I would get him to teach me this stuff because he could figure it out. He could listen to it. He could figure it out. I could play it if he showed me how to do it, but I couldn't figure it out. Okay. Guy was a genius. His name is Don Moore. He's not going to be upset that I... Well, now, you know, I guess he's he's maybe a little older than I am. Because okay. I think he was a year or two ahead of me. So we're just old farts now. <laughs> and he and his wife do this music. And um, it's sort of uh, very, you know, with a, a lot of positivity and stuff. But I listened to one of the songs that they did, and it's very well produced, because he's a smart guy and he's got a nice recording set up at his house. But his wife sounded to me just like Joan Baez. And I said, dude, you have to record hmm. Diamonds and Rust. Okay. Okay, so I'm going to play just a, a little snippet of it, Love but maybe I'll it. stick it up on the website Love at drsteve.com. Because when you listen to this, tell me it's not Joan Baez singing this. If you remember. And I guess that I'm really dating myself. The young people listening to this won't know what the hell I'm talking about. 
But um, that that album was fantastic album. Hmm. And uh, so anyway, here's Don Moore and his wife Judy doing uh, Diamonds and Rust by Joan Baez. Not amazing. That's great. I, I thought that was Joe. Hand on the telephone, hearing a voice I'd known a couple of light years ago, heading straight for a fall. Okay, I'm assuming we have to worry about fair use and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that works with a cover, but. That's amazing. That was super great. So I'll post a link to their SoundCloud at drsteve.com, or I'll at least put the the file on there. Mm-hmm. And if somebody DCMCMAs or whatever they do, digital digital something, 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 on my website, I'll just take it down. But um, that song's so old, I wonder if it even applies. Hell, I don't know. I don't know how this works. <laughs> but I want people to be able to hear that. Incredible. Don Moore. Don and Judy Moore. Anyway, uh, what else we got to do? We've got a few minutes left. Let's uh, do something else. Um, well, that was impressive. Yeah, I just that was impressive. It's very impressive. Going from Chicago, listen to the podcast recently. You answered a question around drooling while sleeping. Uh, my fiance uses Somnifix tape to tape her mouth closed when she sleeps. It helps her with dry mouth and also... Uh, has stopped her drooling. So just another option. It's a over-the-counter type tape that you just put on your mouth when you go to sleep and it keeps your mouth closed. I sleep with a CPAP and when I use my nose mask, I use this instead of a chin strap to uh, keep my mouth closed. Isn't that interesting? Hmm. I've been doing this for how many years? 35, 37 years. I've never heard of this. So Mm -mm, uh, their website says, don't be a mouth breather. Somnifix strips are gentle mouth tape clinically proven to promote nose breathing. Well, the problem is the reason that I breathe through my mouth with my CPAP is because my stupid nose gets clogged up. (laughs) And if I block my mouth, if I tape my mouth shut then I'm not going to be able to breathe at all. Yeah, so you may not wake up in the morning. <laughs> well, I don't think it would be that bad. But um, that's interesting. You know what? I will order some of this, and I'll try it, and I'll report back. Hmm. I don't think for people that have sleep apnea that snore that this is a great idea just because their tongue is already blocking their airway. Hmm. I don't know. I could be I could be convinced otherwise on that, that anything that... Um, promotes nose breathing is better but i'm going to look into this thing and i'll or like i said i'll order someone i'll let you know cool because it sucks that's one of the reasons why i don't wear my cpap i have a bipap Mm -hmm. all night long is because i'll drool into it and then i just can't stand the wetness in there okay i mean as you can imagine it's gross it's gross Mm mm-hmm Okay, if you feel that way, that I'm being stupid, then this is what, do this experiment. Take a spoon, hold it in front of your mouth. Now, just let saliva just drain into the spoon, okay, Mm -hmm. until the spoon is full. So that would be five mLs of saliva. Or you could spit it in there if you want to, but just letting it kind of drain in there, you're not doing the act of spitting it, doesn't seem as gross. And then hold it away from your body, regard it with your eyes, look mm-hmm. at it, and now just put it back in your mouth. That's gross. Try it. No, thanks. But it just came out of your mouth just a second no, ago. No, no, it just sounds... That's, just, see, so... It exactly, sounds wrong. Exactly. It is wrong. It's <laughs> disgusting. All right. Um... Hello, Dr. Steve. Hello. Brian from New Hampshire. Hey, Brian. My wife got the shingles the other day. 
Ugh, I feel Should funny. I go get the vaccination? Ooh. Mm. How the, catchy is the shingles? Excellent question. If you have not had chicken pox, you could get chicken pox from the shingles. You cannot get shingles from the shingles. And that sounds crazy, mm-hmm. but it's true. Shingles is nothing more than the chicken pox virus that you had when you were a kid that has ensconced itself inside a bundle of nerves near your spinal cord, and it comes out mm-hmm. one time in your life. Just or for two or three. Or, or more, uh, but normally no. yep. in periods of stress or whatever. Sort of Stressful like, events. Yep. Or whatever. Uh, change in your immune system for whatever reason. it will, And then the virus will come out. And it will be attached to, or it will come out where that nerve that it ensconced itself in, in that nerve bundle called a ganglion, where that goes. So if it's on the right side and it's a nerve that passes over the eighth rib, then it'll be centered on the right side over that eighth rib. Mm. And sometimes it'll come out of a nerve that's in your stupid face. Mm-hmm. And that sucks, mm-hmm. particularly if it gets in your eye. Yep. So we highly recommend the shingles vaccine, but I and people who qualify for it should get it. Mm-hmm. And the Shingrix vaccine, I'm going to tell you, it kicked me on my butt for about four days, way worse than the COVID vaccine did. But I'll take that rather than getting shingle in my eye. Yes, because or that, anywhere else. That pain can last for years afterward. It's not necessarily short-lived. When no. the shingles goes away, the pain can stay with you. So, uh, so, yes, I would get the shingles vaccine, but I would not do it because your wife got shingles, unless that just stimulated you to go get it because you forgot you needed to get it and you were of age. Yep. Talk to your... Uh, vaccine provider on that regard. All right? Don't forget to check out Dr. Scott's website at simplyherbals.net and check out drsteve.com. Thanks go to always Dr. Scott, whose unfailing support of this show has never gone unappreciated. He shows up. (laughs) Can't forget Rob Sprantz, Bob Kelly, Greg Hughes, Anthony Cumia, Jim Norton, Travis Teft, that Gould girl, Lewis, Lewis Johnson, who should be back from maternity leave soon. Paul Ofcharsky, Chowdy1008, Eric Nagel, the Port Charlotte Whore, the Sarasota Skank, Roland Campos. Is it Sarasota or Saratoga? Sarasota, Sarasota right? yeah. 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 Sister of Chris, Sam Roberts, she who owns Pigs and Snakes, Pat Duffy, Dennis Falcone, Mike, Matt Kleinschmidt. From the Laugh Button, Dale Dudley, Holly from the Gulf, the great Rob Bartlett, Casey's Wet T-Shirt, Vic's um, Emissions, Carl's Deviated Septum, Bernie and Sid, Martha from Arkansas's Daughter, Ron Bennington, and Fez Watley, whose support of this show has never gone unappreciated. Listen to our SiriusXM show on the Faction Talk channel. Sirius XM Channel 103, Saturdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern, on demand, and other times at Jim McClure's pleasure. Many thanks to our listeners whose voicemail and topic ideas make this job very easy. Go to our website at drsteve.com for schedules and podcasts and other crap. Until next time, check your stupid nuts for lumps, quit smoking, get off your asses, and get some exercise. We'll see you in one week for the next edition of Weird Medicine. Thank you, Dr. Scott. Thank you. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... 
I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com.